I'm walking through this stuff. And today is no different. I believe God has been showing me about vulnerability and the power of it. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, the power of vulnerability. So that means you guys get to walk through it with me. Is that okay? That's good, because I've got nothing else for you anyway. (laughs) So I started by looking at what the dictionary says about the word vulnerability. But I was more interested in some of the words that are associated with it. Let me give you some of these words. Helplessness. Powerlessness. Passiveness. Passivity. Feebleness. Frailness. Exposure. Liability. Openness. Proneness. Sensitivity. Easiness. And gullibility. None of this sounds appealing, does it, to the untrained ear? If I asked you guys what makes you feel vulnerable, you would probably come up with many different answers because we're different. Different things affect us. So I thought I'd pull a few out of the bag this morning just to get us into the swing of things. Sharing an an unpopular opinion can make us feel vulnerable. Disagreeing with someone. Just the other day, I had a colleague at work phone me up and tell me that they was going to hold back £12,000 from the client, um, but yet they wasn't going to make the client aware. Now, when the phone went down, I was immediately convicted by the Holy Spirit that I had to do something about this. I had to tell my work colleague how I felt. You can imagine the vulnerability that comes with that. So, of course, I phoned her back up. Standing up for yourself can make you feel vulnerable. Asking for help is another one. Asking for help, you're admitting that you need someone else, that you can't do it. Effectively, there's a chink in your armour. I find it funny that how God calls it the pride of man. I think because us men seem to struggle with asking for help a little bit more than you ladies. Saying no to people and setting healthy boundaries can be vulnerable. Asking a stranger to pray for them. Giving someone a word that you believe that God has given you that means nothing to you. And even worse, when it seems to mean nothing to them. Is that, is that, is that just me? Admitting that you are afraid. We've heard this morning that perfect love casts out fear. See, there's nothing the matter with being afraid. It's when it controls you. It's when it stops you doing what God has called you to do. Saying I love you first. And not knowing whether someone's going to love you back. Stepping up again and again after failing on numerous occasions. Asking someone for forgiveness 
after you've hurt them or let them down. I've heard someone describe vulnerability as hearing a gun being fired and waiting to see whether the bullet has landed. We all know what it feels like to be vulnerable, right? It can be uncomfortable. I recently listened to a TED talk on the power of vulnerability by a lady called Brenny Brown. Anyone heard of her? Fantastic, fantastic. Am I saying her name right, by the way, Brenny? Brenny Brown. Brenny Brown, fantastic, thank you. Now, she is a social scientist, and she has been studying people and vulnerability for many years. So you would like to think that she knows what she's talking about. She has come to the conclusion that the sole reason that we are here for is connection. The ability to feel connected. Some of you might say there's no surprise there. I already know that. God has wired us for connection and given us a longing to be known and to know others. He wants us to live in a way that connects us to him and to one another. How do we do that? I believe by living from a position of worthiness, being and feeling accepted, our identity in Christ, and secondly, by being vulnerable. Being vulnerable takes tremendous, tremendous courage. The root of the word courage is core. The Latin word for heart. In one of its earliest forms, the word courage meant to speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. To speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. Over time, this definition has changed, and today we typically associate with some heroic or courageous, brave deed. But to speak one's mind by telling all one's heart, basically translated is speaking what's on your heart and holding nothing back of yourself. Now that doesn't give you the opportunity to take chunks out of someone and, and really tell them what you think of, no. That's not what I'm saying, I'm talking about being honest. You being honest, being real and being authentic. I'm talking about revealing your true self, the real you. See how human nature is to resist it, to resist vulnerability. We'd rather hide our weaknesses or pretend that they're not there, they don't exist. In his letter to the Corinthians, Paul tells us that he asked God three times, three times to remove his. And we're going to pick that up in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 7 to 10. I will be reading from the New Living Translation. And in verse 7 it says, Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. 
That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. Here we go. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul tells us that God has given him some wonderful revelations of heaven, but also some opposition to keep him humble. God gave him the grace and the power to overcome the form, but he didn't take it away. See, visions can make us passionate, but forms can keep us authentic. Being authentic means letting go of who others want you to be. Then this will free you up to be who you really are. In a research, Brené, in a research, I say, sorry, Brené Brown also had learned that the biggest block to vulnerability was shame. See, you cannot be vulnerable if you're living in shame. Shame is the fear of disconnection. It says that there is something about me that other people will know, they will see, and they will not like. And because of this, they will reject me. The enemy tempts us to cover up parts of us that we feel are different. Shame can form a barrier between us and God, and us and each other. Left hidden, shame ultimately builds an emotional and spiritual prison in which only we get to live in. There's a difference we know between guilt and shame. Shame we know as condemnation and guilt we know as conviction. Guilt can tell us that the choice we made was wrong but yet we can do something about it, we can correct it. Whereas shame tells us that we are the ones that's wrong. That there is a flaw in our design. That we are a mistake. It relies on perceived differences to primarily attack our identity. In other words, it lies about who we are and wants to convince us that something is wrong within us. It says that we're not enough. That we're not smart enough. That we're not spiritual enough. That we're not pretty enough. That we're not man enough. We're not experienced enough. All of this tells us that we fall short. That we're not enough. We're not enough to be loved and we're not enough to be accepted. Once we believe this lie, we try and hide or cover ourselves up and we retreat. We can even try and numb the pain. And we can do this in various ways. With the likes of alcohol, drugs, <coughs> binge eating, or even by blaming others. And of course we know none of this really works. In fact, by trying to numb our pain, we can end up numbing the likes of joy, pleasure, creativity, compassion. The very things that make us tick. The very things that help us find out who we are and what we enjoy. But of course we break these lies. 
we break them by resting in the works of the cross and partnering with God in sharing what we so desperately want to hide, to become vulnerable. The very thing that shame screams at us not to do. See, vulnerability is so, so powerful. You cannot form any meaningful relationship without it. This is because you are holding part of yourself back. You're not all in. You are filtering what you think is acceptable about yourself to others. It's fake and it's not real. If you are holding yourself back from people, you are more than likely holding yourself back from God. And God requires every single bit of you. And that's going to mean we're going to have to be vulnerable on a regular basis. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 3, to 3 and 4. I come to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling and my speech and my message with not implausible words of wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Paul's weaknesses allowed God's grace to flow where human effort shuts it off. I've heard it said that what you are good at, God will use. But I don't believe that that's always the case. Moses had a stutter, right? And he opened, he had to speak up and out. He told God that he was slow of speech and tongue. Isn't it funny how we think that the living God doesn't know this stuff? (laughs) Maybe Moses was expecting God to say to him, Really? Sorry, Moses, I didn't realise that. I'll get your brother Aaron to do it instead for me. He picks us to do this stuff for a reason. So that he may be glorified. So that his power may be seen in us. I've heard Chris Vallotton say that he was a terrible speller and not very good with his grammar. But he had an opportunity to get a PhD in which he accepted. Only to be woken up one morning and asked by God, you never talked to me about getting a PhD at university. What do you think you're doing, God said to him. Chris replied that he had no education to speak of and that it would give him credibility with people. Only for God to reply to him, Chris, if you have letters after your name, people will think you can be great on your own. And we both know that you can't. (laughs) Wow. You were born to be an example of what I can do with weakness. Your life was meant to be an inspiration for the weak and the broken. Many people will put their trust in me because of what I do through you. Chris declined the PhD, funny enough, and decided to trust in God's grace. He's written 11 books and four manuals and is part of the leadership team at Bethel in Redding, California. But as with all good leaders, no one has or ever will be more vulnerable than Jesus was. And that's still the case today. 
since the moment he stepped onto the mission field. He left that place of safety for rejection. He left honour for shame. He left glory for humiliation. The eternal God became vulnerable enough to be heard, to be seen, to be touched, scrutinised and abused. Yet because of his vulnerability, lives are being saved, changed and transformed every single day. See, vulnerability is an absolute must for connection. Let's let his vulnerability be contagious in us. Going first and talking about ourselves encourages others to go second. It's short and sweet today. I just want to round this up now as to what we've spoken about. Our core purposes for being on this planet is connection with God and with others. The enemy of connection is shame. But the cure for shame is vulnerability. The ability to be fully known, transparent and authentic. Being authentic means letting go of who others want you to be. Then this will free you up to be who you really are. This is God's desire for each and every one of us. That we are shameless and unafraid of our weaknesses. And that we allow God to work his beauty into our brokenness. And that we live in the light where nothing is hidden. Here, here, we can truly be content with being his jars of clay. Showing off the treasure that he has placed within us, himself. To show that surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Amen. 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 God bless you all.